Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Dave van der Schwan, the Deputy Treasurer at Endemol Shine Group. Headquartered in the Netherlands, Endemol Shine is a Dutch-based media group. They create world-class content, entertaining, and it's running billions of people around the world. The world's largest independent producer work on unique global and local access, 120 production labels. So if you're thinking about some of the shows you might have heard of, a couple of minor ones like oh, super brands like MasterChef, Big Brother, Deal or No Deal, some amazing things there. And in the drama portfolio, you've got one of my favorites, actually, Peaky Blinders, Black Mirror, and some of the world scripted titles. Amazing amount and range of different productions globally. And Dave will get him to sort of explain how that sort of impacts on Treasury a little bit and about the way they run themselves and things. But I want to go back, as always, each week. Dave can explain that later on in the show. But Dave, Take us back to the beginning of your career, if you would, and maybe how you first you know, started in finance and what there was a passion for you, and then, and then you discovered treasury and how you've developed from there, really. So, sir, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thanks for the intro and uh, love on the show today. Yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm in treasury for, uh, for quite a while now. It's over 10 years uh, by now. My first introduction to treasury was, was actually during a kind of an internship, yeah. which I did during the final stages of my uh, university education started work in a kind of a risk legal setting in, in a kind of an internship to, in a company which which is called Hertel, which was close to the university and where I lived. And yeah, actually, uh, that, that went well. And I decided to stick around there as a side job next to my studies. And then in 2008, I was asked to join uh, the company on a permanent basis. And due to the growth plans uh, they had, and they, they needed hands at the head office, me being still very junior, but some experience within the company and the head office team expanding also in areas like finance and, uh, and treasury. Hmm. So a new treasurer was on board. Uh, the finance team was uh, was further professionalizing, uh, and they could use a, a fresh pair of hands. So that was my first intro to treasury. And the first year, I worked alongside the treasurer. I worked alongside the group controller and still the legal counsel. And I did basically did a little bit of everything, which was very nice and also fits my my background. And did a very broad business administration course. Yeah, most of the people in the market will probably recognize that. Is that by the end of your education, uh, although you have a specialization in finance you're still not sure what you want to do same holds for me at the time so i started to do that uh, internship and then yeah got to know the professions better and after a year i, I was asked to make uh, make a final decision in which in which direction i wanted to go and that was actually for me and uh, mm-hmm. yeah today uh, I, I still like it after 12 years and uh, three different companies so mm. So talk to me about your, your first, you started with Hurtle and then you, you progressed to some interesting different companies and dis, different sort of challenges there, if you like. So, you know, maybe kick us off with Hurtle and then how Treasury was different in each of those. Now, when we had a conversation before, it's quite sort of different oil and energy through to TV production and, and everything in between. So, you know, take us yeah. back as it were. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like like you say, quite a different companies I've I've worked for so far. Hertel is a company which was active in industrial services, so to say, so everything from painting to scaffolding and isolation, etc. And, and yeah, the chemical plants. That's what we did there. Growing organization, they expanded in Asia and Middle East. That comes with some treasury challenges, of course. The organization grows and the footprint grows. That there's treasury 
challenges coming up. Uh, not necessarily the case if you're still a company which is predominantly operating in Europe or, or in a small number of countries. So the treasury profession was basically pioneering there. Uh, so uh, my first manager, with whom I'm still in, in touch uh, today, I was the first uh, treasurer of that company. And I worked alongside her to basically build up the treasury function, which was still new for me. Uh, mm. I worked mm. uh, in that company still, and I did everything around setting up cash pools, uh, day-to-day cash management, the entire bank guarantee portfolio, which is sizable in a combination, which uh, in a company which is active in that industry, so all those kind of things. So very interesting experience. From there, I moved over to Postnel. That was back in 2011. All in all, I worked then four or five years, and that was the right time for the right move in Postnel. What I found there is basically that's the business which was formed after the demerger between Postnel and TNT. TNT mm. now got acquired by FedEx, and what happened there is that and there were two very mature treasury organizations demerged. Both of them were uh, listed, both the companies. And so then you have to have your checks and balances and your organization uh, right from the start. But still, what I liked about that setup is that although you have a very structured and, and professional setup of the, of the treasury, the postal business and the parcels business, what TNT Express was doing, they have completely different dynamics. So uh, different teams were formed, but also uh, the dynamics of the business are, are, are different and, and therefore there's a different fit for the treasury. So uh, although there is a basis, you can further develop it from there. And uh, and so we did. So what I found there was an experienced team. I joined as a cash manager there, uh, again, focusing operations, uh, day-to-day cash management, uh, access cash investments, which was uh, somewhat different than uh, what, what I faced in uh, in Hertel, which is private equity owned. Uh, with some uh, some more squeeze on liquidity. So new experience for me in a very uh, controlled and, and, and structured environment. Also had its challenges at some point uh, on, the, on the corporate finance side uh, and the, on the credit standing side. So uh, I went through that journey and year on year, I, I developed into more different areas within treasury there. Uh, so I got a lot of room uh, from my managers there to uh, to develop myself and then to be part of the team in other things than, uh, than cash management only. And got the first uh, connection with, uh, with the whole strategic part of treasury and, and the corporate finance world, et cetera. We talked about that before the show, and, and we, when Dave and I had a pre-show, some people will have an image of working for a postal company, if you like. But actually, you and when you and I spoke, you said it wasn't just; it was, it was very commercial. It wasn't just a sort of, you know, civil service sort of. You know, no, not at all. You know, not at all. To explain explain that for again the listeners, because they might have that you know, yeah. impression and, and you, you know, I certainly didn't get that impression when we had a conversation. So maybe explain <laughs> the commerciality with you. I mean, you know, to, to be very honest with you, I had the same impression when I was first asked to, uh, to join yeah. the procedure for that company, exactly what you said. But during my first set of conversations uh, with, with the recruiter and then MI2B colleagues later on as well, I got more and more enthusiastic about uh, the company setup. At Post now, the postal business in the Netherlands is interesting. I think the company is uh, already a bit more advanced in what it's doing than a lot of other uh, postal companies uh, in the world. Uh, so there was a focus on digital. There was a focus on optimization. And all in all, I think the Netherlands is one of the countries in which postal volumes drop more significantly than in other countries. Uh, so there was a constant need to adopt the company to that, uh, which also had its treasury challenges, of course. So that's very interesting. Interesting. Moreover, postal and uh, let's say non-urgent parcels in the Netherlands go go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. in postal now you have uh, still a core postal model, 
but also a very rapidly growing uh, parcels uh, business. And they, those go hand in hand. Moreover, uh, when I was working there, uh, the company still had, had international operations in, uh, in Italy, in the UK, especially. And they were the number two market players there. Uh, Germany as well, I forget to mention. And so a lot of international activity as well still with different markets and different development of the, of the postal market. So that was a very interesting uh, mix on the treasury and the corporate finance side, but also business-wise. And especially because this company was already a very, is a very digital in its thinking, uh, although that's not something which you would expect from a, a traditional postal company. But this company was a very, a very modern company and a yeah, great environment to work in, uh, actually. And you, you know, that was a great learning ground for yourself. And again, we talked about this and gave you a really good insight to treasury overall. How did you then make the move and join Endemol and then we'll really deep dive into your current role there as deputy treasurer? Yeah, well, I was, in the end, I was working uh, in Postnell for almost six years. Also, when I joined Postnell, uh, I was not really uh, looking for anything else. I was still happy in the role, but mm. if, uh, if you think about it a bit more, and, and some opportunities cross your path, then, and then yeah, it might, might be the case that there's something interesting out there, uh, especially after a number of years. I think if you look at my resume, I tend to stay a bit longer in, in companies, but not too long to date. It also depends on the, on the steps you can make and, and the things which are to be done. Mm. But what made me make the decision to move away from Boston now is the fact that within Animal Shine Group, there was a different kind of challenge, challenge ahead of us. And so for me, it was the moment to bring both of my past experience together in, in a more strategic role for myself. And so being, becoming deputy treasurer uh, in a company and with Animal Shine Group, but also a still very uh, experienced manager, which I also worked for in Boston now in the hotel, by the way. Uh, but gave me a different kind of dynamics in my uh, my career at that time. Uh, after six years, I think it was a good moment. Uh, but also, if you look at the company and the machine is, one hand being a multi-billion revenue company, on the other hand, partly uh, private equity owned. And so with a lot of with a high leverage, let's put it like that, with different challenges than post-Canal, I think at that time that was uh, for me the right move. And there I also made a combination between what I learned in post-Canal on the, on the setup and then and, and the organizational and the framework, etc., combined with my knowledge, which I already obtained in Hertel on the private equity side, uh, what, what that kind of implication was. For me, that was the key driver to move to Endemol Shine Group, together with, uh, with a strong brand and, uh, and the international footprint. Well, tell us about it. I mean, obviously, you know, as head of the head of the show, sort of international TV film, well, TV production predominantly and drama and things like that, massive amount array of different treasury challenges, issues and things like that in, in a good way. Talk us through that. Yeah, sure. You see in media, uh, what we do is we make productions. Mm. That's no surprise to anyone. Uh, so yeah, we make TV shows, but we also make films and series. And lately, there is also a, a stream which is called commercial or digital revenue. And that's everything which had to do with, for example, brand licensing or, or, or YouTube and, and those kind of things. But if you focus on the core of the business, we make and we create beautiful productions, mm -hmm. which can be non-scripted. So the more the TV shows and scripted, which are the, the series, each of them can be seen as a different kind of project. And each of the project is having a, a potentially some, some treasury connection. And so each of the productions requires an investment. And so an analysis, is it profitable? What is the working capital consumption? How can we fund this? What is the peak funding? What is the credit risk on the, on the counterparty? Do we have any foreign exchange risk on it? I think, for example, of a production 
of a UK or NL or France entity, which is uh, shooting a production in Canada, for example, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with spending Canadian dollar. Very simple example. Mm-hmm. All these things can uh, can happen in media, and that's basically production by production or entity by entity. So these are just a few of the interesting uh, touch points with uh, with the business, as you see in in Treasury. In a media production company, what's next is that the company has quite an international footprint. As you can see, uh, we're in more in over than tw- in over twenty countries. And if you operate in twenty countries, by nature, you will have different kind of challenges in each of them. Uh, so if you do a production in in Brazil, it has a different dynamic than you do it in the continental Europe or in the UK or in Australia, for example. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting, and that that's driving how you want to organize, but also what kind of treasury considerations do you have for each situation. So that's the international footprint. Then, of course, uh, what's interesting is how you're organized. Uh, so management-wise, but also shareholder-wise, it's no surprise that if there's a growth strategy with one strategic partner and one a private equity partner, that's giving some dynamics, but all in, in a bad way. Uh, but, uh, but the company is having a growth strategy, also has a lot of depth on its books, uh, also had to do with history, but, but also with, uh, with the strategy. Mm. And yeah, that needs needs to be serviced. Comes with uh, with a capital structure. Capital structure comes with a certain rating, and a rating has an impact on, on what kind of things you can uh, finance uh, out of your own uh, working capital, or whether you need to apply some structured financing, or uh, you need to have very tight uh, working capital management. And in Endemoshine, we actually do a little bit of everything there. Mm. So that's a very dynamic uh, treasury setup, I have to say. So uh, for us, when we joined, we saw a company with uh, with a high leverage, with with some treasury challenges, nothing else than uh, than any other treasury, I would say. But we also saw great momentum because the NMO and Shine business were previously as separate businesses. They merged and was still in the middle of optimization, newly found a company. And that's great to be part of. We spoke about this before, and you know, one of the key things was, as you say, that sort of that leverage situation, and it wasn't lazy cash, but there was a lot of stuff you sort of were looking at that we want the visibility of liquidity, you want to unlock cash, because you know, you've got such a massive seventy-eight territories, you know, globally massive challenge and i know that you guys have won awards you know congratulations allied with you know you've you've really optimized a lot of that and worked with different partners and we talked before about albert who we know who's your boss so got on very well i've known albert for many years but some of the things that you did to sort of without getting too much into the techie project detail but how did you go through that project again we've got people listening today who'll be in a similar situation how did you define what you wanted to get and how did you then make that happen yeah, very briefly. Again, there's a link to the business. I joined the company in early early 2017, and what we saw there is that there was a lot of investment potential in in the business. And so uh, we talked about uh, the difference between scripted and non-scripted productions. What we saw at that time was a demand for a step up in terms of uh, scripted productions. The difficulty with scripted productions are not really a difficulty; it's more more of a challenge or an implication is that you have a longer investment cycle. So if you do a, a TV show, uh, you typically, you have the format, you bring in the people, you shoot the production, it's being broadcasted on TV. The broadcaster collects its revenues from its advertisements and, and we got paid. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, so that's a very short cycle. In scripted, it's it's a bit different. And there you have a script at first, and then you need to uh, find locations. Uh, you need to hire people. You have to shoot the productions. If it's a series, then there is multiple episodes, etc. And then you usually get paid in the end. What has changed in the media market is that media is not always prefunded anymore by by broadcasters and clients, mm. especially with players like the Fangs, which are uh, which we call Facebook, Amazon, or we have to say streamers nowadays. Actually, they invest a lot in content. So that's a very good thing for us. But they also rely on the production companies to, to get those productions financed. And that's, I think, where Treasury came in uh, in Animal Shine as well. And had together with the business and making good contracts with your, with your clients, financing is our cup of tea. And so we can help out there. And that's also what we saw. So early 2017, we saw with a couple of observations. Uh, first of all, as Animal Shine Group, uh, we are a relatively decentralized business uh, with a lot of autonomy for our operating companies and our labels, uh, which is good to fuel the whole creative cycle. But it also comes with some treasury challenges, and that has to do with uh, scattered landscape, for example, banking, scattered landscape in terms of systems, etc. Yet at the same time, a requirement from the business to invest in working capital because uh, there was a lot of uh, potential for Animal Shine Group to sell its productions. But obviously, you need to to finance those. And I think that's where the treasury uh, traditionally helped out in, in Animal Shine Group. Uh, so, for example, we did something uh, which was already live uh, when, when I joined Receivable Securitization Facility. Because what do we have? We have well-rated clients with large receivables, uh, which are certain. Uh, only the passage of time determines the, the payment, basically. So it's, it's, it's easier to finance for a bank than uh, they would have to fund their own balance sheet. So that's one example, uh, but that was already ongoing when, when we joined. Mm-hmm. Another observation we had uh, was that uh, there was a lot of demand for cash from the business. But at the same time, we had the cash on the balance sheet, but we just couldn't touch it due to our mm. setup. Mm. And yeah, that was an interesting one. So with a triple C rating at that time, you cannot easily go to a bank and say, hey guys, can you give me another 50 million or 100 million? Mm. And because I want to invest in my business, and they say, well, maybe next time. But on the other hand, we saw the cash on our balance sheet, uh, but due to the setup, we couldn't always make it available to that business where we wanted to be available. Our first priority was visibility and, and liquidity when we started our, uh, our, our project, as we call it. We started with the idea, what if we can make the cash, which is on our balance sheet, obviously, available to the business and basically source our own working capital from there. So that's how we started. And we needed a couple of attributes for that. So we considered a lot of things. Uh, one of the things we obviously consider in, uh, in a situation like that, uh, let's rationalize our banking landscape and our bank account structure. Uh, that's all makes total sense. We had a restriction, which was called time. We needed to invest in the business immediately. First of all, there was opportunity, but also we have our targets and our, our debt servicing targets, of course. Uh, so you have to maintain your EBITDA levels uh, in order to, uh, to be compliant. We have to pay the bills. We have to pay the interest. So that means you have to generate the cash. Mm. And we generate cash by doing business. And in order to do that business, there was a, yeah, a request uh, to, to do more working capital investments. And the immediate bank account reconciliation or the immediate bank rationalization requirement was off the table as top priority something which we are still doing today. Huh? We're three years down the road and we're still uh, optimizing our landscape and still closing down bank accounts and and consolidating the banking landscape, etc. But it wasn't the solution at the time. So what we did instead is we told our opcos, okay, guys, hey, this is a challenge. This is a requirement also from yourselves. Mm. And we think that we can unlock funds and put them into the business if we get access to the cash, which is still on the balance sheet. 
and this is the way to do it. So what we did is we opted for a new treasury management system, not that we had a bad system before, but it was a bit outdated in a way. Uh, so uh, we did a new selection for a treasury management system, but at the same time, we opted for a global bank connectivity and mm. started the whole onboarding at, at the same time. So where normally you would have the projects uh, separated and first you do your treasury management system and then you do your bank connectivity. In our case, we implemented SWIFT and then you start onboarding uh, all of your banks individually. We basically did it in one go. At least we tried to do and see, okay, let's see where we end. Let's go for it. So we brought in some some additional resources uh, through a uh, consultant. By the time our team also has grown a little bit, so I had my hands free to work on the, on the project, for example, so I could really be hands-on, uh, yet at the same time, I remain strategic to see, okay, where do we want to be in, in one, two, and five years, maybe, but heavily involved in the project. And in the end, that worked out uh, very well. So our uh, treasury management system, the, the core setup was, was done in, I think, two or three months or so. Then we had our uh, products, which we had in the previous um, treasury system. We had them migrated. So that was very successful. So we could let go of the old setup and there was a treasury continuity in that sense. Also, the, the Swift onboarding went smoothly, I have to say. And I think Swift at that time made a, made, made a very good investment in, in digitizing the whole onboarding process, which makes it smoother than expected. So also, that was up and running over summer in 2017. And I think by the end of Q3, maybe October of 2017, I think we also had visibility on a daily basis in a fully automated way over 80 to 90% of our bank accounts globally. And that's a lot. Uh, if you if you think about the bank account structure in Animal Shine Group, uh, we have uh, several hundreds of bank accounts. And at the time, I think we had dealings with 40 to 50 individual banks globally. Not all with, uh, with a couple of hundreds of accounts, of course, but still a lot. So th that really helped. And from visibility, you can then engage with your business and, and follow up on, uh, on excess cash and, and shortfalls. And, and you see your shortfalls coming up uh, earlier. You see your excess cash building up. Uh, treasury within operating companies is usually concentrated with finance people who do more than only treasury. So they may not have the immediately the daily cash focus like uh, like treasury and cash manager people uh, do. So you can really engage and follow up together with your business. Hey, I see uh, see some some cash there. Do you really need it today? Yeah, I need it back next week. Okay, fine. Send it to us, and you have it back next week. And uh, so it, it it was basically a combination of had the right strategy. Uh, which was fit for purpose for uh, for the organization at that time. The mandate from our management uh, to make uh, to make some investments, some small investments in, in team and in technology, but it was also updating uh, the whole policy framework and, and the setup and the, and the way of working. And that has had to be done in a very yeah, non-disruptive way because we also at the same time had a business to manage. We mm. couldn't say we stopped the business for two months to do the treasury thingies and then after two months you can do business again and then we basically would have placed ourselves out of business. And yeah, I have to say that landed very well and I think in the end that was uh, also one of the reasons that we won that award uh, with the team back in 2018. So, Talking there about the team, Dave, you know, just explain for the, again, the listeners structure this because I know that you, we mentioned Albert there and he's, you know, he's a great treasurer guy no great treasury professional and you said very much you looked to him and got a lot of coaching and everything else you know looking at the shape of the team how do you see it sort of developing and you know how, how do you guys run your treasury our size has ranged from eight individuals at the peak moment in core treasury to four now that's including albert who actually besides treasury has he's, he has always been a famous treasurer but i think he's beyond treasury and uh, so he's running in animal shine group treasury tax, insurance, and investor relations. And uh, so we, if we include all those teams, we're still with seven 
people, including Albert, covering a wide range of, uh, of activities. Mm. Uh, so uh, insurance and investor relations and tax scores. Uh, and on the treasury side, we do everything which ranges from day-to-day cash management, but also still the execution of our uh, treasury roadmap, which is a bit more strategic of nature. We're transforming the way we do cash forecasting. We're trying to help the business in deal-making if it comes to investment analysis. Uh, we do local financing. Uh, so also corporate finance is an important part of our, of our job. Like I said, the team of five is an experienced team. Uh, we have uh, one one person in the team who has been uh, a while in Animal Shine, who is our, who is our cash manager, who's uh, basically our champion in, in shopkeeping. Uh, doing the day-to-day cash management is the number one service uh, person uh, towards our operating companies mm. and does a great job there. Then we have somebody who's a senior treasury manager who is involved in the whole technical rollout of what we're doing in treasury. And so the technical rollout of the treasury system, but also at the same time, for example, running our receivable securitization facility and very much focused on the technical side, automation, efficiencies, etc. not only within treasury, but also trying to make that improvement throughout group finance, but also in the operating companies. Then we have a treasury analyst who runs our operational cash flow forecasting procedure. We have a weekly direct cash flow forecast, which runs out for 13 weeks from now every time. So basically a rolling 13 weeks cash flow forecast that we're trying to migrate into the treasury management system and, and basically also beyond the 13 weeks period uh, mm. to get even a deeper visibility on how our productions are doing and, and what our investment cycles are and, and what have you, and also making the connection between the actual movements. Uh, simple words, we collect our daily statements, we show movements, but at the same time, we have to have a good cash flow forecast. And in the, at the end of the day, the two are connected. So if you have a forecasted item which is actualized, yeah, then we would like to have our forecast updated automatically. And that's, that's a bit of the holy grail. That's uh, the future. Vision. That's the yeah. future. And we have some uh, some nice live examples there, and we're rolling out to the rest of the company. As 30 to 40% of the business is already live, and the remaining parts will be uh, will be live in a couple of months from now. We have that live in a very short time frame, and that's also the time when we can let go of the existing way of cash flow forecasting. And we have our analysts also joining the technical rollout and assist in setting up entities and, and making adjustments and translating the inputs from the operating companies into treasury management system importable files, those kind of things, mm. uh, really supporting uh, everyone out there in the team. And then I have myself and I'm basically a bit of the backup of everyone. I'm heavily involved in the rollout of, of the forecast in the treasury management system, uh, which we're trying to roll out at the moment uh, globally uh, with all operating company finance teams being active users on that same system. So that's one thing I do. And obviously I deputize for uh, for Albert and anything which uh, which he has to drop or need support in. For the, for the rest, I'm, I'm the contact point for the auditor or uh, for external banks. So we do a bit of uh, bank relationship management. On the other hand, with a decentralized organization, mm-hmm. we also have operating company relationship management. And in the end, uh, they are our most important asset. And given the, ma- the fact that the business is managed locally, we should have a good contact there. Yeah, that's, that's a bit how we do. We're not too long before the end of the show, but you know, you're given a well, it's great a comprehensive explanation of all of the bits and how you operate and stuff. But you know, looking at yourself and looking at the future of Treasury, you know, we, we talked again for the show about you know all these different technologies and you know you being a sort of a filter for them. If that's the right way. But looking at the future of yourself and the, and the group, where, what do you see as the most exciting things coming through? What the, what's the future do you think for Treasury? For Treasury, well, to be honest, I think we are well positioned as Treasury, uh, although we're not very visible in a lot of organizations and, and the way 
and the treasury is being operated in different companies. It might differ from, from company to company on what the role of treasury is. And I think in the Endomachine situation, we are a very diverse and broadly oriented group treasury, whereas in another company, it might be focused only on the corporate finance and advisory side of things. In another company, it might be very day-to-day cash operations only. And that, that's what I like about the profession. It can be very diverse, mm-hmm. although we are a specialization. What I do see as a development uh, which is coming up, we will be more digital and there will be more automation. Mm-hmm. And so anything which can be automated should be automated, I always say, uh, although you will always need people to interpret results and actually drive the automation. So and, uh, you have to make sure that you don't automate uh, the things which are uh, not to automate or difficult to automate or uh, useless to automate uh, to, to avoid spending resources uh, where they could have been invested differently. So treasury will become more digital, more automated, but that also is interesting, I think, because through that, we as treasurers are becoming more and more strategic in, in the whole finance space. Mm. And that's what I see in, 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 in more companies happening. And so we get, uh, we, we are in the center of finance. And so we are in touch with, uh, obviously, the CFO, but also the other finance departments like accounting reporting, tax, business control. Everything is important for treasurers. And I think treasury is becoming more important for all the other disciplines as well. But also we're the linking pin to the outside world and the capital markets, for example. Mm-hmm. We're the ones uh, maintaining the relations with uh, with our investors, not necessarily with our shareholders, because that's uh, that's more management role. And the banks and, and institutional investors are contact points. And we know how auditors think. And so we know how to serve or, or, or bridge the gap between daily treasury operations and the, the role of the auditor. And so I see the treasury profession uh, becoming more and more strategic and well-placed uh, to translate from the business to the outside world and the other way around. So what as an investor, what I what do I expect from a business? And can I translate that into my business and, and subsequently see mm. how we can manage the way we do business to what investors are expecting. So that's becoming more and more interesting. And yeah, for that, we, we I think we discussed it before, but also for that, I, I think in the future, you will see more and more treasury people uh, moving into other finance roles, huh, which can be uh, specific like like tax uh, or, or investor relations. And you see a lot of combinations already popping up in the market with having a tax direct expanding to treasury or the other way around or investor relations like, like Albert also does. But I also think you will see more uh, treasurers moving into CFO roles at some point. And Dave, when we look, you know, again, this is sort of the wrap up to today's show because, you know, you've given great comprehensive background and things like that. But you, you looking back at yourself and, you know, someone says, do you know what? Great role, you know, because again, you've got this really great in-depth deputy treasurer position and you long may it continue. But someone looks back at your profile and says, do you know what? There's a lot of things that I'm I'm in, interested in and doing similar way. What are the sort of tips you would give someone if for their treasury careers or you alluded to it there that you know treasury is really becoming a hub for a lot of the other activities. But you know, what are the key tips you would give to treasury professionals listening today saying, right, this is what you need to do with your careers? Yeah, well, what, what I found interesting so far is the variety of things I did. One of the tips I would give to people just joining the, the profession is get your education right. Uh, what what I think of Treasury, uh, looking back at my own uh, college education and, and university, I think Treasury is relatively uncovered there, but uh, you see more and more uh, courses and, uh, and actually... And through education programs where you can gain that the theoretical framework. I think that's one thing worthwhile mentioning. For me, it's not the only thing which is leading when when recruiting, for example, but it, it's a nice, decent theoretical basis, uh, which you do not necessarily uh, get 
through regular university life. Moreover, uh, what I found interesting for myself is working in, in different kind of organizations, sort of working across different sectors, working across uh, different shareholder situations, working with different kind of capital structures and different kind of management styles, mm. uh, but also the whole international footprint. Postnow, for example, being very relatively domestic and, and Europe-focused, and whereas Animal Shine Group and, uh, and her were more globally focused and each of those situations gives different dynamics that's something which which has brought me a lot another thing is try to gain a lot of experience on the job and so if you're asked to join a project group on something which is maybe outside your comfort zone within the same treasury space and just do it because it's good for your development and for the recruiter this is a cv booster but it's really worthwhile doing that so you can expand your knowledge within the treasury base mm-hmm. and yeah ultimately i think what's also important is a combination of having that real hard set of hard skills but also the soft skills and because as a treasurer you have to be flexible you have to be i, I always i use the word uh, let's say a style flexible and uh, as in, in a negotiation with an external party you might need a different approach than when you speak to an investor or went to your auditor or your internal team or your operating company. And that's what I call the, the so-called soft skills. I think those are also very important. Okay. Dave, great chat. And then sort of, you know, some weeks we sort of deep dive into different issues or different areas. I think with that, it was much more of a, a sort of an explanation of what you guys do as a sort of global production group and how your treasury structures. So I think it actually was a sort of a bit of a different show, actually, which I really enjoyed because it was sort of different about how your ethos and your attitude to treasury. So, you know, it, it, was, it was valuable because I think, you know, other people, oh, that's the way they structure. Oh, that's the way. So it was really nice, you know, to sort of get sort of an understanding for you guys. I'm sure we'll be talking further and we'll have, you know, some nice conversations with Dave and we'll see him at a few of the conferences. And we'll catch up and things like that. Any final words from you, you know, just for the audience and what you think, you know, Treasury is about for you? No, I think we, we covered uh, a lot of things already. I think we can talk for uh, for hours about the profession and everything which is linked to it. Yeah, but I hope everyone uh, enjoyed the show. Thanks for your time and your dedication uh, to this podcast. Yeah, I think it's very interesting uh, for us as a community to further collaborate and learn from each other, uh, although time is limited for everyone. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. we have our conferences and our get-togethers <laughs> and dinners and what have you, uh, but we're a small profession and I think we can learn a lot from each other and a series of podcasts like these only help and are very good convenient to, to listen uh, on the couch uh, when you uh, you lose a battle over the remote control for the TV, for example, after work or, or, or whatever. Uh, so it's very convenient. Keep it, keep it going, I would say. It's my pleasure to uh, bring to life your stories. So uh, thank you, sir. As I said, a bit, of a bit of a different one this week. It was quite nice. Yeah. It was sort of just a no. Uh, thanks for your time, Dave. You've been an absolute star. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, sir.